Bearcat Bounce Podcast. We are back at it again. I'm Brent Young, Aaron Smith. How are we? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? You know what? I've been better. The uh, eternal <laughs> optimist uh, had a little bit of cloudy weather yesterday, if you will. Uh, we will be touching on the uh, the game that is basketball later on in the podcast. Um, you know, the, the infamous loss. We'll just leave it at that and we'll cover it in full after that. But we're going to start out with sunshine. That's what we do. Sunshine, happiness, rainbows, eternal optimism. And of course, that means that Brady Collins back joining the BBP. Brady, long time no talk. Welcome back. Great to be back, boys. How's everybody doing? Fantastic. I'm doing all right, but can I call you back? Is that all right? I'm busy right now. I just wanted to know if I could call you back. That's right. That, that was the last time we spoke. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't get <laughs> he didn't get me, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't you know, knew something was up. I mean, he never really FaceTimes. I don't think he's ever FaceTime. And I think I was pretty sure I was like just up there in his office. But uh no, I mean he got me because I was, you know, working on the computer doing some stuff. And uh, you know, he called and I answered. I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, hey, let me call you right back. I'm busy. I'm like, okay, sure. Like, and he's like, I'll call you back. I'm busy. And that's when I'm like, what's that mean? You called me. Like that's well, that's the me. right answer. You called me. Exactly. Exactly. What did you think of Pat Lambert's? Oh, that cracked me up, man, because that we all know Pat and Pat, you know, Pat works his ass off. He's such a good dude, does so much. And you could just tell he was kind of like, uh, you said 334. I'm coming. I'm coming now. I'll be there. <laughs> it made me nervous thinking I was late for something. I didn't even have to go to anything. That was just, yeah, that was perfect. Perfect. It was great. No, it was, I think it was just really cool. Um, you know, one, just to see, you know, the former guys that the former Bearcats and then our current guys, like, you know, because I'm sure the kids are like, oh, crap, fix FaceTiming me. And that's, you know, normally could be a really good thing, could be a bad thing. I mean, luckily, we don't have bad things, but I'm sure they were probably caught off guard. And, you know, Trey Tucker was sleeping. He's messing with his hair. But, you know, just funny to see the Lennies and the mods that are just, you know, yeah, you can call me back anytime, Coach. Anytime. <laughs> yes, sir. Cool yes, sir. yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, all of them. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, uh, you could tell the the current and the former players because the former players a lot more relaxed, just big yeah. smile. But like you said, the, the current players just highly alert. Like, yes, Coach. Yes. Yeah. Coach. But but how awesome is it, Brady? Thinking back to that first season. I mean, you guys were with Cortez and and Cope, you know, for one year, but it just seems like it's still a bond that you guys have created just with that one year. Does that just speak to, you know, coach fickle and in the staff as a whole? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we were fortunate. We had Tez and Coke for two years, two years yeah. and you know, a guy that I still talk to all the time and he still talks to coach and, you know, we want him around as much as he can, but he's having a great career in the NFL is, you know, big Corey country Cunningham. Oh. <laughs> and uh, you know, he's a guy to this day. We always say, man, we wish we had one more year with him and, you know, that's, I mean, that's what we wanted to do when we got here is, you know, build those relationships with the young men, not just during their time that they're with us, but, you know, when they go on in the NFL, when they go become future husbands and fathers and, you know, that's, that's what coach Vic, you know, that's what he is. He's a, a developer of young men and that's not just football players. It's off the field as well. And, you know, just the other day, um, you know, 
always talking with Garrett Campbell, um, you know, he's, you know, he's still a gym rat, you know, he's in medical sales and probably going to be a doctor and all this stuff. But, you know, you just, you love talking to those guys. You love seeing them. Um, they just, they bring back memories. And, you know, I think uh, it's always good to just, you know, for the younger guys, even to see those guys come back, um, you know, just says a lot. Now, do you uh, have a hypothetical? Go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to say, do you have any other relationships with former players that were here even maybe before you were at UC? Uh, a couple of years ago, it was really cool. We got to do uh, the alumni golf outing, and uh, I was paired up. Uh, we had a couple older former guys that their names, you know, have, have lost uh, touch right now. But Trent Cole, um, that was a really – I mean – I know he's from Xenia High School. Right. Yeah, his family knew one of my college roommates and teammates uh, that was from Xenia, so that was pretty cool. And then obviously, you know, just getting to talk to him and all that. But uh, I've uh, talked to, you know, Travis Kelsey a couple times. Obviously, he's a great dude. Um, Jason came and talked to the team one time. He's another great dude. Um, you know, Connor uh, or Gunnar Keel, I've met and talked to him a bunch of times. A uh, really good dude. You know, he, he'll shoot me texts all the time. Um, but I'd say, uh, no doubt, fan favorites, Coach Armand Benz and uh, Tony Pike. There we go. Little, little Pike to Benz. That's right. Uh, so a hypothetical question for you. Hypothetically, hypothetically, how excited does a strength coach get if hypothetically a six foot seven, 270-pound All-American wrestler uh, were to, you know, but potentially be in line to join the program. Hypothetical. Hypothetically. Hypo hypothetically, number one wrestler in Ohio, correct? Yeah, hypothetically. 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 At 285-pound class, so that's – Yeah, I mean, I would hypothetically be extremely excited for that. Um, I mean, like we've discussed before, we love multi-sport athletes. Uh, let's face it, the head coach was one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. So that's a huge notch. We're an O-line, D-line driven program. That's another huge notch. Um, but I'm hypothetically extremely excited for anybody that's, um, you know, going to take the commitment and come join our family in this program and help continue to build um, what it is we've done. Speaking of hypotheticals, uh, you know, I saw about an hour ago, you tweeted it out. Mr. Beavers playing hoops. So is he going to be joining the basketball team now that we're down some, some players over there on that, <laughs> on the court? No, Beavs. No, you're, no, no, no. <laughs> um, no, that was, uh, you know, part of me when I first saw him, like, Oh man, what's he doing? Like, hopefully he's not doing too much, but again, he's a kid, man. He's just having fun. And he is, he is, you know, genetically gifted with size, talent, speed, all those things. And, uh, I mean, I've seen him do those kinds of things before, dunking a basketball, and he can. He's a really good basketball player. He can hoop. But uh, I think it was great, you know, just that little post he had, 255, and, you know, jumping and doing the things he's doing. I'm just like, yeah. I mean, it's it's impressive. I'm really proud of him, really proud of the work he's put in this winter and uh, his dedication, his, his attitude, his leadership. He's really uh, taken a step above. And um, no doubt it's fun to see those kinds of things, though. Monster. That, that he would seem to that that video would seem to answer some of the questions we had a couple weeks ago about had he lost any of his athleticism or explosion at 255 yeah and i can tell you no he has not he's, <laughs> he's only enhanced those um 
which is funny, you know, I mean, I, I always love talking about, you know, the young or not even just young, but, you know, skill guys or linebackers that come in and all of a sudden they put on 25, 30 pounds. And yeah, no doubt. I mean, you're lifting, you're eating, you're growing, your um, neurological and physiological loads are changing and bodies adapting. But um, I love when those big boys, man, I love when they can really change their bodies. And again, Beave, he was always a guy that God blessed him with size, talent. And, uh, you know, we just had to dig down deep and find some different ways to motivate him and, you know, really attack and enhance his body. And I mean, that's just a small little tidbit. And, uh, you know, he keeps doing the things we're asking of him and pushing us and pushing him. I mean, he's going to have a, a, a heck of a career. Well, it uh, looked like the Fast and the Furious came to an end and you guys were able it to crown some champions. But we all know Fast and the Furious has part two, three, five, six, 10, 15, 20. So hopefully that'll be coming back for more, more seasons after this, but kind of right. just talk about Trey Tucker, my Jay Sanders, Desmond Ritter, Darian Beavers. I like, these are players that are going to have a huge impact on the team next year. Kind of have, how do they showcase what they have in this fast and furious? Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, again, you know, I'm always looking for just fun and creative ways. I mean, obviously our guys, they love competing um they love you know anything with sprinting and football and all that kind of stuff so you know it's just a fun way of us of putting a name to you know competitive sprints and you know those were the guys that obviously had dom i mean trey tucker has won so many times he's been the the leader of uh or as i like to say the king of these streets you know fast furious style here um of that of that top echelon group which is i mean those are your fast of the fast guys and again, to his credit, his genetic makeup, his work ethic, his freakish ability. I mean, Maje Sanders started off in like group six and just won every week and bumped up and bumped up and bumped up. And, you know, Des Ritter, same thing. He started off like group three or four and then just won, won, won. And he was up in group one hanging with the Trey Tuckers and all of them. And um, yeah, the Beeves, seeing him run. I mean, there's so many other guys that, you know, they, they do so well in those things because yeah, we, we highlight the winners. We celebrate the winners and all that stuff. But I mean, guys that are still competing, maybe they're not winning everyone, but they're not losing them. Um, so, I mean, th those have just been really fun to see the battles and, you know, like today with Des moving up to group one, he was getting the earful from the DBs and the wideouts and all that stuff. And I mean, he held his own and, you know, Maje's up there, a big DN beating, you know, some, some guys that, he probably shouldn't be beaten, but he is because he's just that, you know, gifted. Um, but it's been really cool. It's been really fun. It was uh, it was the last one today, just kind of a little celebratory thing. And, uh, you know, we'll fine tune some things here as we get closer to spring ball. Who was closest to Trey? Was it Justin? Uh, Justin's up there. Um, obviously, Tyler Scott's a speedster. He's up there as well. Um, but, I mean, you you would always have a mix. I mean, Jaden Thompson, uh, Jordan Jones, who's sneaky, um, you know, Kobe, Kobe's up there, uh, Justin Harris, uh, Will Pauling. I mean, it's, it's a battle. It's just fun. And, you know, it's unique because it's not always just in a stance and then, you know, whistle, like, you know, we'll start with them on their bellies, on their back, one knee down, facing this way, facing that way. Like you just try to make it fun and competitive. And no doubt once, once the music's going and the whistle blows, those guys just go. How does the speed compare Prater and Ritter? I think he's faster. And I think that's scary, but 
I mean, when you see him move and you see him run and you're just like, oh, I mean, to be six, four, you think, you, you think Evan's faster. Do I think Evan's faster than Dez? Yeah. Uh, no, okay. but I think Evan's faster. I thought you, did you say Dez or Evan? I said, I said, how does Prater compare to Ritter? Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Um, well, yeah, Dez is, Dez is, he's got it right now. I think Evan's much faster than when he came in. Um, and, you know, we'll find out maybe soon just exactly how much faster he's gotten. Um, but, you know, Dez is, you know, obviously he's had more time in the system. He's developed. Um, he's a competitive dog. I mean, he's just, he's got that it factor, but Evan's growing. He's doing, he's doing a lot of things really well and he's moving really well too, as he gets, continues to get bigger and stronger. Now, the last time you were on with us, I believe uh, Coach Tressel had just entered the building. So what have you seen out of uh, the time that he's had there now that we're roughly, you know, a couple weeks into his second stint now with uh, the Bearcats here? I'd say, uh, you know, just <clears throat> energy. Um, you know, he's in there uh, in the morning, getting his workout in, checking in with us and, um, you know, developing the relationships with the kids, developing the relationships with the coaches, with the strength staff even though he knows, you know, some of my guys really well from his time up at Michigan state, he coached one of my assistants. Um, but I've just seen nothing but great things. I mean, he's a, obviously a, you know, well, well-known coach, uh, highly respected and, you know, has just come in and done things the right way and earning the trust and the respect of the players. And um, I'm really excited to, to see how the spring unfolds and then carry on into the summer and next season. Shifting gears a little bit. The schedule release came out, obviously, and, and you know, no surprises. We all knew who was going to be on the schedule. But it kind of brought a question to my mind that's in your years here. Name the, the greatest atmosphere at Nippert. I think I know the answer to that one. Maybe one that's kind of a, a secret atmosphere that, that we don't know that's not that Friday night UCF game. And then a, a toughest atmosphere on the road that you guys had to go into. Ooh. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, 2019, the UCF game, that was unreal. Um, another one that stands out, it, it has to be last year, the championship game. I mean, horrible weather, but the, the turnout, you know, during all the COVID restrictions and all that. So, I mean, I don't care how many people they said was there. It, it felt like a sellout. I mean, looking at the smile on our guys' faces as we came down those steps to see the stadium like that for the first time in a year. I mean, you want to talk about just extra juice, extra motivation. You could feel it, you know. So that that's definitely always going to stand up there, no doubt, because we won the championship, but also just because of all the all the craziness that 220 brought. Um, but some uh, some road atmospheres. I mean, obviously, 2018 at UCF game day. That was you know that was pretty good. That was humming. That was loud. Um, that one kind of. What did you think of this past year? This past year at UCF, because I was at the game. It was. It was. I, I mean, mean, it was still yeah. loud. Florida has been, you know, pretty much operating almost fully for a while now. Right. That's great to see. And yeah, their. I mean, their stadium was pretty full. It was loud. They were. They were hostile. They were throwing stuff at our guys and stuff like that. But uh, obviously, we took care of business, which is all that matters. Um, yep. That one stands out. Uh, it's probably. I mean, it's. It's probably the ones that stand out the most, you know. And then so thinking about next year, you've got 
road at IU Bloomington, which I don't yep. know if you knew was my alma mater. Uh, the uh, Memorial Stadium doesn't really fill up too much when yeah. I was there, but yeah. I would imagine this is going to be, depending on obviously restrictions and whatnot, this should be pretty, pretty bouncing. And then two weeks later, of course, you go up to Notre Dame Stadium in South Bend. Are those just two, two atmospheres that the, the team as a whole is really, you know, obviously you don't want to look forward to it, but kind of excited for heading into the next year? Absolutely. I mean, again, we're all hoping and planning uh, for, you know, back to normal with capacity and all those things. And again, our kids just, they feed off energy. So whether it's positive, whether it's negative, they're going to feed off it. And, uh, you know, we want nothing more than our kids to play in packed stadiums. Uh, you know, we know what the success we've had and the notoriety that's coming, you know, with our brand now that we're going to draw attention and we want that. And the kids want that. And like I've said, there's a target on our front and our back. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we went into those places and they weren't sellouts, I can't say it'd be because of the Bearcats, but you know, we're looking forward to, to any stadium, any revenue, any, you know, place that we get to showcase our talents. So I got a chance this past week to talk with Ethan Tucky on my other podcast and we talked a little bit about how you are an intense, crazy person. Um, but one of the, one of the stories that he mentioned to me about probably uh, the biggest impact that you've had on him is the fact that uh, there was a day that a guy came in to uh, just workouts a little bit late. And he, he said that he thought that I guess it was early on um, having worked with you. And he said that, you know, he just kind of expected some, you know, discipline and make him do some extra reps or something like that. Um, instead, you kind of took the time to work with the, the young man. He didn't reveal who it was, um, but just kind of, uh, you know, just take it as a learning experience and wanted to make sure that, you know, at no point in time that any of the players were really losing sight of the fact that you're there to have fun and you're not there to like kind of run things like an army and, you know, kind of go the disciplinary route of everything. And I know we've heard you speak at length about, you know, just how much time you spend on working on the psyche of the players, as opposed to just always doing the, the physical stuff. So mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know what it's like for you to have stories like that stand out to players, but just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, what it means to you to, to, be making that kind of an impact on guys yeah i mean it's it's you know like i tell all these kids and i tell them all the time like make sure you tell your parents like thank you like if we don't get to say it enough because i mean they're entrusting us with their their son's lives you know i mean to yes develop them as football players but also like i said you know future husbands fathers businessmen whatever it is that they want to do and you know i think just the way i was raised and you know the way our program is our culture like you know, what we do in the weight room, yes, it's going to make you a better football player. It's going to make you better in life in general because, you know, I always say our style of training, like what's our what's our philosophy? Well, I'm going to back you into a corner and I'm going to see if you're going to fight your way out or if you're just going to let those things kind of weigh you down and you're just going to let it hunker and weigh on you because that's what life's going to do. It's going to throw job responsibilities. It's going to throw bills, family, so much other things. And, you know, it's, it's no surprise to hear that from someone like Ethan Tucky, just an unreal human being, great football player for us. But, you know, I still have a text message saved from him uh, the night of 2017 when we beat UConn by one. And he sent me this long message just about, you know, what he's going to do and where this team's going to go and all that stuff. And, you know, it was, it was powerful. But, you know, just the things about, about, I mean, again, someone could be late one day. Yes, it sucks. And yes, it stands out and everybody's waiting for him or they see him come in late. And, you know, it is easy to just jump, jump on him and, 
you know, let them know, Hey, you're late and you're letting everybody down all this stuff. But you know, a lot of times you don't know why that person's late. Maybe something serious happened, you know, maybe a family issue came up and, you know, again, we know these kids are student athletes. Yes. They're playing football, but they're also, they're young men. There's so much other stuff going on in this world. And, you know, it, it does no good to just berate someone or make them feel really bad when I'm sure they already do that. They, they know they're late or maybe they tried to text me, but they couldn't get through or something. Um, so, you know, we, we try to try to keep that in mind. You know, I tell the kids all the time, I want the weight room to be a sanctuary. You know, you have so much stress going on. You got family, you got job, you got, well, some might have jobs. You got academics, social issues, all these kinds of things. When you come in the weight room, that's your time. It's your only time you get just to yourself to develop and develop this team. So I don't want to waste a minute of it. If you're late, yeah, you're late. We'll take care of it. Like, you know, again, you're not, not letting any, you're not letting me down. You're letting yourself and the team down, but also, I mean, we got to be mindful and, you know, respectful that there is other things that are going on in kids' lives. And, you know, I think that's just a testament to, to our program, to our culture, to our coaches that, you know, no doubt we're going to hold kids accountable, but, you know, we got to love them up when they need loved up. We're going to be hard on them when we got to be hard on them. Take me through um, today, Pro Football Scoop named Eliano and Hitchler, the, uh, the, the defensive backs coaches uh, of the year in the country. Those two guys are a little new. Take me through uh, working with those guys and what they're like. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I mean, I, I love any, any type of publicity and uh, recognition that our program can get. Um, it's awesome. And uh, to see that today, I mean, that was, that was really cool. Because, you know, no doubt those guys earned it. The whole coaching staff earned it. Um, but it is, it's a huge testament to those, to those two coaches. I mean, they came in, um, you know, Coach P came in and did a great job, not just coaching, but developing relationships. Um, you know, he, t he told me a story about him and Kobe Bryant at training camp and, you know, just how their relationship started and how it grew and how it's evolved and, you know, how he manages the relationships in that room. Because, you know, he's got a lot of different personalities in that room. But. They're all competitive, hungry, great football players. And uh, just it's an honor to work with those guys. Coach Hitch, you know, started off in a different role and then got elevated up to, to the safeties and has done a really good job with those guys. And, you know, again, it, it's just really cool to see the recognition that no doubt they've earned. Um, huge testament to our kids because, you know, no doubt they, they make us all look good, whether you're a strength coach or a position coach. But, uh, no, I loved it. And I'm real proud to work with those guys. And like I said, it's, it's, it's just a great um, recognition for the whole program. Piggybacking off that sauce was just a name to do to the week. If, if anytime you're on Twitter, every single week, you will see a new pro football focus. You will see a new, some sort of analytical stat that has sauce as one of the best in the country. Now he's a dude of the week, which is as we heard last week, a big thing in the weight room, just, just tell us what is the, the next step that sauce has been doing this offseason? <clears throat> well, first off, that's probably one of the coolest graphics I think I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, and again, I think, you know, I just take my mindset to it. My, you know, relationship with those two, I mean, Kobe Bryant, again, Kobe and sauce, yeah. you know, he, he feels like, you know, like my own son. I mean, I've seen him grow throughout the years and he was a part of our first recruiting class and, just the human being that he is the ultimate competitor and teammate and leader. Um, and then you got a mod who's just, 
I mean, Ahmad can be immature a lot just because he's young and he's goofy, and you know, right. but Ahmad just wants to make you happy. And Ahmad, you know, yeah, he might get more recognition than other people and all that stuff, but, you know, he's still humble. And, you know, I think a big reason why, you know, we really pounded the table for him this past week, you know, to recognize him as a dude of the week is because he has elevated his training, um, his demeanor, his, you know, he, he's still himself. He's still going to have fun. He's still going to laugh and, you know, play, play funny songs and dance and do all that stuff. But now he's working even harder than he ever has before. And, you know, that's, that's the thing. Like I'm never going to change kids' personalities. That's, that's what makes them so unique. But when they train the way we train and then they're still themselves, that's what makes them really grow. And, you know, Mod's just a guy that has really dedicated himself this off season to putting on good weight and getting stronger in all the right areas. And, you know, it's just, it's uh it was a good thing to reward him for that. And, like I said, I mean, he's, he's got to keep it going now because obviously all eyes are always going to be on him, whether he's, you know, an older guy or younger guys looking at him and recognition, all that stuff. But I think, you know, our guys do a really good job of separating that outside noise and really just focusing on the now. How cool has it been to see Kobe getting some of the recognition he's gotten that PFF had him as the number one man-to-man coverage corner, uh, the number one guy in interceptions and man-to-man. Um, 20 yards him, deeper. Yeah, 20 yards and deeper. Yeah, one of the best in the country. Not to say he had a, he had a growing year in 2019, I think, where um, he really took a step back and, and reworked on his game, rededicated himself to things. And then to see 2020, the numbers come in, that's got to be pretty cool as a coach to, to see that pay off for him. Absolutely. And then, again, you know, again, being a former player, we know there's stuff out there. And again, social media, all this stuff, it's right there at their fingertips. And there's always going to be stuff being pumped out. And, you know, yeah, Ahmad always got most of the noise or James Wiggins and hearing that. And, you know, Kobe was just one of those guys. He's a humble and hungry, just grinder. He's an ultimate competitor. You know, you want to you want to put his name out there, talk about him. Cool. It's not going to affect him. You want to talk negative about him. It's not going to affect him. He's He's got his head on right. He's going to put his head down and work. Um, but you know, I think it's just a huge testament to not just Kobe, but the rest of the team. I mean, like we always say individual success and coach says this all the time. It's great. Right. But you don't get individual recognition without team success. Granted. I mean, look at the amount of all conference honors we've had the past, you know, two years, three years. Why is that? Cause when you win, you get more recognition and, um, I'm not gonna lie though. Selfishly. It is great. I love it. I love the, you know, as, like I said earlier, the more recognition, the more attention that is brought to the Bearcat football brand, the better. Um, just because I know how hard these guys work and how much they love it. I know how much it means to them. And you want that for them. But also, again, we're very fortunate. We got guys that are very humble and just continue to work. And our, you know, our motto is we're going to outwork you. We're going to out tough you. And that's what I love. Have you gotten a chance to get your hands on Jawan Briggs yet? Yeah, Big Juan. Oh, yeah, he's a special kid now. And has he talked a whole lot about what the difference is about being back here in Cincinnati as opposed to uh, uh, out in Virginia? Uh, a little bit. I mean, again, like, you know, any time with, you know, someone new into the program or comes from somewhere else, not, not as a disrespect, but it's just, hey, you know, whatever you used to do, cool, or, hey, what did you used to do here? How was it done here? It's kind of like, look, you know, you're here now. You decided to come here. This is the way we do things. You know, but obviously you sit down and you learn about them and you learn their history and all that stuff. 
I think uh, Big Briggs has just been, you know, a, a pleasure. I mean, he's always got a smile on his face. He trains his butt off. Um, I think he's really bought in well to the culture of the locker room. Um, he's a great teammate. Uh, and yeah, he's, he's got some special things. He's strong. He's quick. He's, he's twitchy. Um, so I'm looking for some, some big time things from him. Have you had him sing yet? I have not had him sing yet, but I'm sure we will hear soon. He was, he's a singer, right? Or he plays instruments too. I, I mean, oh, he just, does everything. Just have him be yeah. an ensemble. just a little symphony for himself. But kind of the same thing. Uh, James Tun saw he was a dude of the week as well. Yes. Uh, kind of touched on him previously. Kind of what has he shown as as the weeks move on? Again, just again, I mean, great attitude, great work ethic, great demeanor. Um, come in, he's trained with you know all of us coaches. He's trained with every player, every alignment, all that stuff. So you know, we did that in a way for him to get to know everybody even more, uh, to get a feel for everything. And all he's done is just improve every single day. I mean, his body weights way better, his strengths up, all that stuff, and. Um, again, that's, that's more a huge testament to the kids within the locker room. Um, but he's doing a great job. And again, we always want to reward those that are doing really well and he earned it. If you can't tell, we're really excited to hear about the guys we haven't seen on the field yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited so, to watch. What I want to know is as a guy that likes to, to change things up and, and keep things fun and keep things interesting, what has the challenge been like? to do that still, but do that while dealing with the COVID restrictions and, and, you know, the, all the, the different protocols that are in place now, what's that process been like for you? I mean, I think it's been, you know, one that started obviously back in June and just like this whole process has been, things are evolving. Um, you know, things are changing, whether it's timeline of this or, you know, amount of testing and this and not, I mean, it's one of those things, you know, we, we adapt and you move on and you find ways to continue doing what you're doing under maybe different circumstances, but yet, you know, still operating uh, the way you should be in the way that's still functional and getting the best out of these student athletes. Because again, you know, the, the physical stress that we're putting on them and the mental stress, all those things, that's still a taste of, you know, a little bit of what's going on in the outside world. And, you know, but, I think, I think, you know, just another huge testament to the sports med staff, um, our entire coaching staff, just our kids following protocols, doing what they have to do. And, uh, you know, we said it all last year, it was the season of sacrifice and the year of the teammate. And we did pretty big things. And, you know, we have a saying 2020 is over. It doesn't matter anymore. And, you know, what does that mean? It means it's a whole new year. It's a whole new challenge, whole new team. And, you know, we're always moving forward, but, um, Again, just a huge testament to everybody that we work with inside the building to make things operate. Is it hard to keep it fun with everything you have to? Never, never hard never? to keep things. Never. Now, I was gonna, I was gonna piggyback off that. I was gonna ask. Uh, over the last two weeks, we've had an abundance of snow. So, did you get a chance to get out there with the guys and work out in some of the snow and everything you had out there in the elements? Well, yeah, I mean, um, there was a little tidbit of it shown with I think Des falling in the snow. Um, so Thursday we did, uh, some lift groups and then, you know, we were going to go and do some uh, conditioning stuff in the uh, bubble. And instead, you know, we kind of scared the kids in a way we said, all right, dress warm. We're going outside. Attention <laughs> training, attention training. It, it could have been, it could have been, you know, we, we tried to hype it up and, you know, kind of tell the young guys, you better get some sleep, you know, tomorrow we're taking it back. So, uh, 
it was pretty cool. I met them all in the locker room after all the workouts and uh, everybody's all bundled up, masked up, all tightened up. And uh, I said, all right, you know, gave him a little pep speech, said, follow me, ran down to the stairs, uh, down to the end zone of Nippert, started to do a little warm up and then uh, blew it all up. And we had a, we had a little team bonding fort building challenge. It was awesome. Oh, there we go. There we go. Nice. Well, another. I want to see a snowball fight. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say a <laughs> snowball well, fight. Well, there was, there was, let's just say there was a little bit of that. There was a little bit of that. <laughs> kind of along that same lines, hear me out on this. A, a BBP sponsored where a feature where you bring in a fan and you put them through the Brady Collins workout regiment. What do we think about that, Brady? <laughs> They better sign some waivers. Oh, I'm ready to <laughs> sign up right now, baby. Oh, boy. Um, I just remember. Uh, I would pay to uh, see him break you. Oh, <laughs> a Pat no, McAfee. no, you'd have to hug me. Hug, I'm a hugger. Hug. We need Pat, it. Pat, Pat McAfee back in uh, 2000, 2019, right before we played UCLA, he came down and, uh, you know, he's obviously a great dude and, you know, he came down with the with the crew, Matt Hasselbeck and all them. And he goes, what do you got for me? He's like, I need a pump. I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, give me, give me a pump. And I took him through a little bit of something. When he was done, he was like, yeah, you kicked my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I think he only did like three movements. But, you know, it was just having fun with them. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That'd be, uh, that'd be something that uh, could be worth uh, maybe looking into. Who knows? I don't know. We'll put it on we the calendar. We I got to find don't... a way you know, to promote it. So it's like, you know, fundraising in a way. Yes. There we go. Donation to charity or somehow, Mm -hmm. who knows? I I don't think Pat, the vitamins that he takes now are uh, Brady Collins approved. No, I don't think they are as well. (laughs) (laughs) Did did, did he wear the, the uh, jean shorts with the, with the tie when he was in there doing that too? He had uh, jean shorts and like a cutoff shirt on. There we go. Yeah. He was, he was in his typical uh, Pat McAfee attire. Are you Are you excited for the pizza party Wednesday? What's the pizza party? You don't know about the pizza party Wednesday? Oh, Where? Ooh, man. Mio's Pizza. For who? For the whole entire football team. What? Breaking oh, yeah. news. Breaking news. <laughs> oh, yeah. I oh. may or may not know of anything. Brady doesn't like that idea. That doesn't fit his regimen. <laughs> no. That is against what we are eating this week. Well, I, I was I was told there would be salad and like There's, fifty hey, and like fifty pizzas. Whatever, whatever the kids want. You know what I mean? Hey, yeah. it is what it is. We gotta we gotta do what we can. That was uh, a, a result of the crosstown tip off challenge that I helped out in. That which that was, Mio's. Which was, that was really cool to see. Really cool to see. Mio's was a part of it. And Kelly that runs Mio's uh, does not take gifts well. Oh. Uh, and, and by that, I mean she has to give gifts if she's getting gifts. Yeah. And she wanted to, uh, to donate a pizza party to the football program. So I believe it's this coming Wednesday, either this Wednesday or next Wednesday. But the enti- they're shutting down Mio's and feeding the football team lunch. I mean, that, that thing that you did and, you know, again, a bunch of other people within the community, that was, that was really cool to see. It was something that started off like, like a lot of things do. And then it just snowballed, snowballed. And, you know, the more uh, impact it draw and the attention, but again, that was, that's really cool to see kind of like the, 
you know, the bar stool stuff that they're doing where they're yeah. helping out, you know, some uh, local family owned businesses and all that stuff. I mean, that's, that's what you love to see is, you know, people and communities coming together, giving back to their, to their own. And uh, so that was, that's a huge testament to you, Chad, and all you guys. I mean, that was, that was really cool to see. It was really cool last week to go out Wednesday, last Wednesday and, and deliver those tips. Yeah. Because the, the, the range of emotion is what like you had some that, that acted like they won the lottery. You oh, had yeah. others that, that you could tell like, that money was gonna gonna change some things, allow them to pay some bills this month. You know, it, it was it was really really cool to to get out and, and get to experience that firsthand. But uh, one of the the side effects is uh, a pizza party, which who doesn't love a pizza party? Everybody, everybody loves Are, pizza. Have you have you had Mio's before? Oh yeah, I've had Mio's. Oh yeah, outstanding pizza. I don't know. What's your favorite topping? Pizza topping. I mean. OG pepperoni, but uh, <laughs> if I'm going like fancy, you know, special, I love uh, I love a good barbecue chicken pizza. Mm, yep, I love Hawaiian pizza. Wow, Hawaiian! So you're a pineapple yeah. on pizza guy. I'll eat it. I love pineapple. I'll eat it. Yeah, uh, you know, that's there's breaking a, news right there. Some breaking news. <laughs> I uh, just love how serious his entire demeanor got as he started talking about pizza. <laughs> 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 you know what's funny is I'm not really even I'm not like a big you're a Mexican food guy, right? Oh, I love Mexican. I love Mexican. Um, I'm not a big pizza guy, and I think a lot of it has to do uh, my hometown. Growing up, my neighbors they own the local pizza company. Shout out to the Cheshire Market, and mm -hmm. uh, I I don't know what it is. Like every time I'm back at my parents' house, it's like let's get some Cheshire Market pizza because their pizza and their subs it just it's different, but I mean, no doubt there's some great pizza around here just in Cincinnati, but you know, I'm not, I'm not a big forte on pizza and all that stuff. As long as it's hot and good, I'll eat it. I immediately rescind my statement. As soon as you started talking about Mexican food again, it was just like, Whoa. So maybe it's just, it's just food. <laughs> hey, food was put on this earth for one reason to be enjoyed. Amen. Amen. We got to enjoy our, enjoy our food, whatever, you know, <laughs> up there on uh, Vine Street, I saw the other day. There was like two new places. Nice, really. Yeah, one was like a, a, a not a pizza, a, a sub place or something. I think I don't know, but the more I love, the a, good, I love more a good sandwich. No doubt. I, I'm at steak and lemonade is outstanding. Steak and lemonade is unbelievable. Are you an Island Fridays guy? I still have not been there. Ferg said he was going to take me there, and then we never did. Brady, I got to get it. I it's li it. it's literally my favorite food in Cincinnati. Oh, that's a that's a huge testament there. The, there's a secret though. There's a secret. So they have their their red beans and rice, which in Jamaica they call rice and peas, right? You have to ask them for gravy. Special what sauce. The, what the gravy is is just the 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 liquid from their oxtail stew, and they dump that over the red beans and rice. That's where, That's where it's at. That's where it's at. We'll go there after my uh, BBP workout regimen with Brady Collins. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you might you might need a little break. After. He's gonna need a he's gonna need a straw to eat it through. <laughs> Golly. Be, All right, that might be the good fuel for you to help you recover. Though, who knows? Here we go. Here we go. Hey, some jerk chicken, some rice and beans. Set. It does sound good. 
It sounds good. I definitely got to hit it up. The other thing is their uh, their cabbage is excellent, and their fried I mean fried plantains. I'm a big fried plantains guy. But I've seen I've seen Brady leaving the building many times, and almost every time he's going to pick up Mexican to take home for the family. <laughs> that must have been uh, Taco Thursday. Tuesdays. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday was uh, Mexican for the Collins household during the season, okay. and uh, that I mean that's a that's something that you know if we don't get it, the first one that's going to say something is my daughter. So she they love them. <laughs> All right, we good. You guys got anything else? I, I mean, I, yet again, I'm going to call you once we're off air, Brady. We'll talk for another <laughs> couple of hours. No doubt. Gotta, no doubt. Gotta dive in more, but no, I'm good. <laughs> See you in two weeks, brother. All right. Appreciate it, guys. You guys take care. Thanks, Brady. Like All right. Thanks, Brady. See you, See you guys. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Nothing left to talk about. See you guys <laughs> next week. Yeah, that is the BBP on BearcatJournal.com. Jokes, jokes. Hey, hey. Well, but first off, always Brady Collins, spectacular. Yeah, I know we're not joking. We are not joking, but we are kind of joking. Brady Collins, and I liked you guys bringing up uh, Eliano and Hitchler because, of course, we talked about obviously the coaching changes. Well, you look, sometimes it's just the players that really make how good the coaches are. So, you know, Darren Page coming in, and, and of course, you know, you've got Trestle coming in at defensive coordinator as well. There's going to be some systematic changes, but the players there are going to make that, that you know, endless transition. It seems like it's going to be pretty seamless. So uh, awesome stuff there from Brady Collins. And I uh, feel like we're well, done, on, right? On, on Hitchler and Eliano, I mean, they had some big shoes to fill in Mike Mickens and John Tenuta. Yeah. And they had a, a boatload of talent. Now, I know some will say, you know, that that makes it easy, but – you come in with a different voice. You come in trying to change things. You can screw up a really good situation. Right. And if you watched 2019 to 2020, not only did they not miss a beat, they got better. And I think what and, it was was the connections that Eliano had with Mickens and obviously Hisher in the system before with, you know. Yeah, not, of course. Not the role, but, you know, obviously that kind of helped out, but. We'll see what the brand, I guess, like you're saying, these the brand new faces of Page and Trestle, if it'll be kind of like that or if it's going to kind of be the new voice coming in and kind of throwing, not throwing things off, but adding a little different flavor that they have. And I tried to get him to talk about Trestle a little bit more than he did. Um, I just don't know if he's had enough time to really truly interact with him. Probably not. I mean, he he yeah. lives down in the basement. Right. Down in the, in the weight room. So. There'll be some crossover, but that that probably won't really be much of a thing until, you know, we get to spring ball and those guys are out there every day. I'll keep asking. Don't you worry. I'm sure you will. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's about it for football. Um, that's about it for the show. See you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> if only it was that easy. Uh, so basketball happened. Game it, it did happen. Aaron. There was there were stats. There was buzzers. And so the final score was 19 to 18 and the Bearcats won. It was the shortest game in history. <laughs> Very nuts. Very crazy. If only the power had gone out at that point in time. But um, yeah, so final. Yes. Very, very sad. Very frustrating. Very confusing. Very thought provoking. Oh. 90 to 52 final. Aaron, 
take the mic. Before we really get into the nuts and bolts of this, Chad, I know you were a little outspoken on Twitter about this, but what excuse do you think that the conference can really offer for why the hell there was even a game in Houston this weekend? Because it was what was best for Houston. I mean, is there really any other like conclusion to be drawn there, or is that pretty much? No, no. Houston is vulnerable on the road. They lost at East Carolina. <laughs> that, They're vulnerable it. on the road. Yeah. They lost by a so lot at East they, Carolina. They gave up 82 points to East Carolina, at East Carolina. They, they are vulnerable on the road, and it was best for the conference that they, they play them at home. So they played them at home. You just wonder what That's all thought, I got. I was going to say, I mean, you just wonder what the thought process is really to host a game in a city that is struggling to have, I don't know, electricity or water. So I, it's, I don't know. I was, I was just kind of upset that the conference went ahead and just pushed through with that when Cincinnati struggling to even have home games and, uh, and they would have been, a, I would think, a better host city in general for a game like that. Thanks, Brian Thornton. <laughs> well, so, so this game, I think, actually started on Thursday night around 9 p.m. when Wichita State beat Houston. Uh, kind of kind of one of those final plays as as Chad just getting ready to, to dive in, taking the <laughs> shirt off. I have no like idea it. what was going on. I like it. Taking the shirt off. He has no idea we're even talking about him. Oh, oh, now, oh now he does. <laughs> he is going to to miss his shirt off. Oh, I he can I can hear you. I can hear you. <laughs> but I think it started on Thursday night. That that Houston Wichita State game. Aaron, did you watch it? I you know I kind of was getting some live tweets, uh, but I didn't actually watch the game itself. It was actually a pretty pretty fun game to watch. Um, one that Houston was up in the first half. Wichita State kind of it felt like they had a big home court advantage, but obviously there's. Not really such thing, but uh, they were able to storm back. Highly emotional game, you know, a, a flagrant two foul at the end on a on a bad pass from Houston. Kind of, you could just sense that the Cougars were going to come in a little little amped up, a little angry for this game on Sunday. But I mean, the Bearcats answered the call for the first, you know, what eight minutes. I, it just was. After that, the wheels fell off. The physicality. I, you know, I I hate that the announcers say the, the officials need to, you know, they have to change the way they officiate games due to the aggression that Houston plays with. That should never be the case. Well, and we had the same thing going on that I was complaining about just last week about charges when a guy is literally foot in the, the circle, like that's not a charge. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. And again, you're shuffling, you're moving. Reminder. Michael Stevens stinks at his job. It was well, and, and that's not mentioning the biggest play that everyone had a problem with that I think Berg may have uh, tweeted out there. Uh, somebody did about Keith Williams going up to the hoop, and uh, yeah, there was just a phantom foul called or not called on that one. Uh, called, he, yeah. he was he was called on one on the other end. That it looked like it was all ball. So, but again, we run into same thing that's been plaguing Keith Williams all year, which is refs think that he fouls a lot, so they call him on fouls a lot. Yeah, that was that was with the score twenty four to nineteen. Keith got absolutely hammered on the arm. Um, 
if you go back and look at it and I mean, obviously the rest is history. It, it really doesn't have any effect on the outcome now that we break it down like that. But I mean, this, this game kind of felt like it was the Bearcats, you know, they were up 19 to 18. And I literally, at that point in time, I looked to see what the spread was. Cause I was like, Oh, we're hanging in here. This is going to be a fun game. I should have never looked at the spread. <laughs> And then the the run. So this is your fault. Runs. It's entirely my fault. If you're a butterfly effect kind of person, sure. The, you son of a bitch. <laughs> the run to rule all runs. I I mean, you go from nineteen to eighteen, a one point lead, and then you go into halftime down fifty to twenty six. I, well, I mean, that is just that is not, crazy. It's not great. It's no, not great. I mean. Obviously, the whole fan base is kind of the whole doom and gloom type feel to it, which is understandable. This is a bad loss. It's, it, it, it is a it, not a bad loss in the sense where, you know, they should have won or they should have been in through the game, but kind of just a bad loss due to the final spread, the final point total. And Aaron, I just kind of want to get your pulse on on just the, the program, because obviously one thing that we haven't touched on in the BBP, it was touched on in the BCJ pod was you know Zach Harvey opts out since we were last had had our conversations here you know he didn't have Harvey off the bench kind of the the outward talks the the talking heads that that might be a little bit of doom and gloom point to bad things happening inside of the program different things of that sort what's your what's your pulse on it Aaron Smith so I want to say that the people who are just kind of I'm, I'm more of a, a Justin Berg guy right now than I am the the guy who went out and created a petition to fire John Brandon on uh, what is it change.org or whatever um, I mean it's a it's a loss and you know we heard anybody who's following Berg on Twitter heard him talk about you know the fact that if you lose by two if you lose by 40 you still lose okay fair enough however the way that we lost I think that's the biggest criticism I have on John Brandon only because I don't feel like you really even saw set offenses run anymore. I felt like it was a golden opportunity to really kind of run out some different looks than you had really all season, just to see what you got, take out the guys who aren't given, you know, hundred percent effort and let them know, like, this is how I'm going to run this team. And I don't feel, I, I just felt like everybody was doing their best just to get through the damn game. I felt like everyone had given up. There was really no fight anymore. And those are the kind of things that I was looking for. I mean, even, even Davenport, the eternal optimist, he, he literally is your spirit animal. And he gave up. He was just hurling the ball. I mean, I don't. He wasn't even hitting the rim. So it was just like the whole team lost all confidence in themselves. And it was just, it was a tragedy to watch. It was, it was gross. But you know, the game got out of hand, and you literally saw the players give up. And that's that was the biggest issue I had with everything. I, I, don't, I don't know, know that I, I saw players give up. I think what happened was the second half came out, and Houston was like shooting shots like the Globetrotters shoot that, that were just draining. I, I mean, it's it's a 13 to three run to start the second half. And it's just all just circus shots, like step back threes and hand and face, you know, twos, deep twos. And it just seemed like Houston was angry. Houston was on fire. I'm happy and nobody I, got bit. I will say that. <laughs> that is a big plus. I, I did see some, some funny tweets where we're saying, you know, Hey, I, all we need right now is just Mamadou to just go bite 
you know, Dejan Giroux to kind of just get back at him real quick and, <laughs> and that'll make everything better. They certainly did get chippy with each other again. <laughs> well, Look, yes, I, Houston beat up the bully. Right. Yeah. That's what happened. And after Houston was kind of, you know, if Houston's the bully, they were kind of put in their place a little bit by Wichita State. I mean, they lost they lost two games in, in the four previous games heading into this one, and one of them was to ECU. So, I, you know, you're talking about a team that is probably a little frustrated. I mean, this is, that's a very talented team. Um, you know, if, if their shots are falling like they did at the beginning of that second half, I, it's, they're going to be an extremely difficult out for any team that they face. So who do you think is the player for the Houston Cougars that gets under the opposing team's skin more? Is it Fabian White or is it Giroux? Oh, it's Giroux times a thousand. Do you, I, I would disagree, actually. I think Fabian White is the guy that gets under people's skin a little bit more, but. I think he's, I, I think Fabian White's a nice guy. He, he that, that one play Mamadou fell down and, and Fabian helped him up. I, I, I don't know. I kind of just, but Dejon Giroux is, is the guy that's going to be getting under your skin. And, and how about, I don't know if there's another player in the AAC, at least, that had quite the turnaround that Justin Goron has had for the Houston Cougars. I, I mean, that guy just saw an opening when White got injured and he has taken full advantage of it. He is a, a crazy man on the glass. And I mean, he was, he was impressive in that game and, and obviously a, a reason why Houston's as good as they are, but I mean, Quentin Grimes, you're talking about a blue chip prospect. You're talking about Jay, Dejan Giroux was a big time prospect. Marcus Sasser, when he's, he went to UMass. <laughs> went to the UMass. Well, yeah, but there's underlying stories for why I went to UMass. Because they paid him. Right. He's a little crazy. But as we all well know. But, I mean, that's a talented team. The The bigs are kind of – I mean, it, it it is a – Mick Cronin, if he had that team at Cincinnati, he would be the happiest man alive. You look at their analytics, it's it's exactly what Cincinnati wanted to have. In, in a team under Mick Cronin here. And, and so, as Chad has said numerous times, as a lot of different players, people have said numerous times, is that Houston and a lot of the AAC has just done exactly what Cincinnati did to rise to the top. And right now it's Houston who's at the top, winning the way that Cincinnati did in the past. Well, and to be quite honest, like I thought Quentin Grimes just kind of had a quiet game. He didn't really do anything thoroughly impressive, in my eyes anyway. I, I mean, think he, he kept the team in it in the beginning. He scored 12 points in the first, like, 10 minutes. Well, and, and he, he finished the game with 20, but it, that right. was on 6 of 14. And I feel like he was always shooting from left of the key, um, you know, on that, that corner of the key. Like, uh, that was apparently his spot the whole, like, damn near the whole game. Right. Right. I mean, he's talented. But I've got some scores to to look at real quick. And I know that it's, it's apples to apples, whatever it, it, it might be. I mean, you're looking at Marquette lost to Villanova by 32. Michigan State lost to Minnesota by 25. Rutgers by 37 when they scored. Sorry, Rutgers by 30 when Michigan State scored only 37 points. You're talking about Louisville lost by 37 to Wisconsin, and then they lost by 45 to North Carolina. And out of all those teams I just mentioned, probably only Villanova is the only team that I think has a true chance to make it to a final four to the level that Houston does. I, th- this is a weird year where you, you it's kind of these games can turn into a, just a pickup game very quickly. And you see on the AAU circuit at times, you see pickup games where it could just get out of hand 
and scores just balloon a little bit larger than you think. It, it's it's a very weird season. So, I mean, Louisville lost by 45 to North Carolina. I mean, I'm not saying that this is just apples to apples, that Louisville is in the same situation that Cincinnati is. But, I mean, Houston is a very good team, on the road, angry after a loss. I'm not giving up any excuses, but still, this loss is bad, yes. But there has been a lot of these results around college basketball this year. They so, played like crap and they got their ass kicked. Like, right. well, and I know, I know, I brought up that I think that that you should take this time and opportunity to run some different lineups out there. Didn't we already try the Chris Vote and Mamadou Diara thing at one point earlier this year? And it, like Brandon even said, I, I kind of messed up with that rotation. Yet here we were with Chris Vote, Mamadou Diara, and well, Dad- you don't have a whole lot of options right well, now. And I know that you've had the opt outs and injuries and all of that. You had Tari battling fouls in the first half. Yeah. You had do battling. Like, everybody was in a bit of foul trouble in that, you know, as, as you close that first half. And sometimes you have to do something you don't want to do out of necessity. Like, it's not a hard and fast rule that I don't like do and vote out on the court. So, no matter what, I'm not playing them together. Like, unfortunately, that's not exactly how it works. You know, I- I'm not at the point where – so I, the eternal optimist became a little sour, a little sad on Sunday. I, I was not on the height of glory. I, I was ready to go super happy when at the beginning of the game. At the first media time, I, I said, you know, if they make all their shots like they have so far, they might be in this game until the end. Just okay. You jinxed it. You jinxed it. You <laughs> and then jinxed we all it. jinxed it. it wasn't all of us jinxed it. Every single one of us. I will take ownership of jinxing. I will. This is the first game in a long time. I haven't had an alcoholic beverage either. So I don't know. It might've been. (laughs) Wow. So you jinxed it again. It's it's fine. Um, So with you being the eternal optimist though, what silver linings did you take out of the game? Yeah. I, I think it's in in games like that. You just had to look for flashes. And I thought that Mikey Saunders had flashes the first time really this season that I've seen certain flashes from him. Not, not just because he knocked down a three, but just more because he was playing confidently, defense, on ball. That that one day, John Giroux possession in the beginning of the game. I I think that's defense that, yeah, I think that's defense that Mikey Saunders can do just because I mean, he moves so quickly and his hair makes it look like you've got like three different heads guarding you. It's it's crazy. Well, and um, that, was, that was one of the things the broadcasters brought up. There was a push-off sometime in the second half where Saunders does, like when he gets, you know, hit on a push-off. Yeah. Of course, any player is going to try and sell it, but it especially looks bad because when Mikey Saunders moves at all, his hair does what his hair does. And so like the the announcers are going on and on about like how you shouldn't flop and how it's such trash that players flop and all that. And I'm just thinking like everything that everybody in the NBA does, what are you talking about? Like LeBron is the king of flopping. That's literally a thing. Well, and and on that play, Sasser stepped back and and drilled a shot too. So obviously added on to the, to the effects, but you know, I, I thought that Tari showed some flashes. Um, I mean, if Tari would have threw down that one dunk that, that hit off the rim, I mean, that was a, that was a microcosm of the game. It was really that, was. It was just, the epitome uh, of the entire game. A yeah. giant missed dunk on a beautiful pass, a yep. great cut. He bricks a dunk back to the opposing free throw line. And then they come down and air ball three. Yeah. Well, and, and also, that was after he he had a block on the other end too. I mean, that whole sequence could have been like, let's just play this on loop 
as well as the first four minutes of the game. And we, we could walk away and we could say, hey, that is what happened in Houston that one time that we were there. But sadly, it wasn't. That, there were flashes. Mason Madsen continues to show flashes. You know, I, I think that's what you got to somehow take away the silver lining of, you know what? You've got to be able to just find a way to, to take what you have. As Chad said, there's not much at your disposal. You, you look over to the bench and there's really just no, not, not as many players sitting there as, as a normal team would have. So you got to take what you have and really look and see, hey, well, this is what we have for Mikey Saunders when he's on. This is what Tori can bring. Just different players like that. I I think you can bring some sort of positivity out of it, but of course you got to really hone in on just how badly you got beat and how, you know what, let's never let this happen again. Rinse off, look in the mirror and say, we're not letting that ever happen again. Because that was it, was, it was bad. It was very bad. It's definitely one of those games where you, you know, there's been teams that have had turning points with something like this, where you truly are humbled, where you're, you know, to your point, left with complete horrible taste in your mouth and you don't ever want to taste defeat like that again. I mean, there's a reason why the Cincinnati basketball program hasn't had a loss like that since what, 2011. So, you know, I, I think this is certainly something to build on and reflect back on. Like, remember that time in Houston where on a national spotlight, we were completely embarrassed. Yeah. Let's fix that. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious to see what adjustments Brandon makes going forward for the rest of the season. Cause I think there's what, like seven games left or something like that. Yeah. Six games. And and he mentioned in his post post game press conference that he's, he's going to make some changes. You know, he's going to try and win games going out for, for the rest of this year, but he's going to make some changes that age towards the culture that he wants. So I don't know what kind of changes that'll be. I don't know even to speculate what it will be, but I mean, that, that was rough. And I, I mean, Chad didn't post his bites because what are you going to say? I, it was, it was, Hey, that was a uh, interesting game and that's it. Burn the tape is what Chad said. Burn the tape, but I'm not ready to just throw that's everything not, away. By the way, that's not something John will ever do. Not a burn the tape guy. No. Well, not I, a burn the tape guy. I, I did hear that on his radio show tonight, there were no uh, no fan questions at the end of the show. Smart. Well, I was going to say whether that's by design or not, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, my guess is if people would have called, they would have taken the calls, but uh, I'll see what I can find out. <laughs> I'm not ready to just throw everything away, though. I'm, I'm not on that side of a lot of people – have been complete turn your back and, and go away from, from what's, what's currently happening. Yes. I recognize that there's some issues. Yes. I recognize that the, the wins aren't there, but you know, as, as Chad has mentioned, as Aaron, you and I have both mentioned, there are, there's a, a core, right. And you have open spots and mm-hmm. Cincinnati is still a storied program. It is still a, a spot where you can go and you can, be on a high level for a lot of people to see you play. So I add a couple of transfers as, as John said, he's it, on the radio show today. I saw a little blurb about it. He's looking at, you know, three transfers possibly with, with multi-years and possibly one grad transfer. I mean, if you hit on two of those with the core that's here, that's, that's a good team. That is a team that is going to be fighting for, the upper level of the AAC, a team that's going to be contending. And you know what? 
if if all things click, then I mean you've got a decent amount of good players on the team. That's that's the way I take it out. Well, and I think you're still going to see the same fans who are currently calling for you know Brandon's job right now. You'll still see them belly aching at the fact that if he brings in four transfers that only two of them worked out. So why can't he ever bring in transfers that work out, even though there's been some transfers that have worked out really well? I mean, I think we're starting to see DeJulius playing his best ball. Uh, yeah. You know, so, and we've seen, you know, the peaks and valleys of one Chris vote. So, um, you know, and this this season, unfortunately, has been more valleys than peaks. But, you know, I, I, I'm not ready to throw in the towel on John Brandon yet. And I, I think that we, we still have much to see in his greater body of work. Yeah. I mean, Chad, you got to here's, here's the reality. That game sucked. Yeah. Yeah. What happens over the next five is what's important. Right. Be- because if they bottom out and they go one and four to end the season or whatever it is, anything under 500, Anything two and three, one and four, oh and five, you got problems because you have a team that is not fighting. Right. If they respond, you have a team that is is engaged and is willing to fight, is will is not ready to throw in the towel and say this season is a wash and leave a bunch of questions about the fortitude of this roster going forward. The next five, and you get four in a week, basically. Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, or Wednesday, Friday, Friday Sunday, Thursday. Yep. Four games in eight days. You're going to find out what this team's made of over the next 10 days. Well, to that point, they're all week, winnable. Two they're weeks. All, they're all winnable games with, you know, you got 10 and 9 Tulsa. You got 9 and 9 Tulane. You've got um smu that they've already beat um i dropped and smu's uh, smu's on a sick on a three-week pause right now too uh, they just had their two games with wichita state this week yeah um so that could be the first game back for them would be thursday thursday against cincinnati i missed the 12 and 6 uh memphis game but then uh you close out with uh eight and eight east carolina so they're all certainly winnable games chad did you did you break the news to aaron yet that you're What's sending him to, to Greenville to cover the uh, final game of the season? I, I do have to break news to you guys. Uh, somebody's got to write the post game Friday. Paper, rock, so, scissors for it. You guys, you guys figure that out amongst yourselves. That's got to be Aaron right there. Paper, I rock, promised, scissors for it. Three, I, promised uh, to do, I promised to do radio a long time ago before that, that game time was set. You're doing uh, it during the game, so, yeah. So, uh, well, it's a, a bleeping four o'clock tip off. Yeah. If it was a seven o'clock tip off, like normal, I could have just gone straight from the radio station to the yeah. arena and I would have been fine. Uh, but I, I, I already made a commitment. I'm not going to back out of that commitment because the American athletic conference, uh, are a bunch of assholes. So a four o'clock Friday game, what the hell Chad, Chad, I've got a good idea for, for us on the radio. I you can call me and we can do the play by play and color of the game while you're on the radio. Or you could come to the arena and cover the game. I, I work a, a nine to five. I won't even be able to watch it. Don't you get sick days? I think you're coming down with COVID. 
gosh. Well, then you don't want me around Fifth Third Arena. What's <laughs> <laughs> wrong but, with you? Yeah. But anyway. You made so, it like an hour and 45 minutes before, before I asked what was wrong with you tonight, Aaron. An hour and 15 minutes, I'm, so. I'm not drinking. It's fine. <laughs> was, that, was that your Lenten promise? Uh, no, there there are no promises here about anything. <laughs> Lent. It's a good promise to keep. But yes, Lent. What's in your belly button? Lent. What's Lent. what's in the pocket of your jeans? Lent. Well, um, that is Lent. We're talking Lent. But yes, back. To I'm you. aware of the spelling difference. I'm joking. I'm joking. Jesus. But yeah, Buzz Buzz Killington or Brent Young. Sorry. Close, <laughs> close, close, strong, and hopes are okay. Struggle down the stretch, and the uh, the worries don't go away. How about that? Whatever I mean, you say, eternal optimist. It, it's an important five games for yeah. the direction. I mean, it, look, John Brandon's not getting fired. Nothing's going to no. happen there. No, uh, but in terms of direction, in terms of momentum you got to finish these five games strong. You've got to, you've got to show life. You can't, you can't be the team that got punched in the mouth at Houston and called it a season. Like yeah. you can't erase. You won, you won five out of six. You had some momentum. And then you look like that guy that, uh, remember the guy like 10 years ago that was running the marathon and uh, couldn't, couldn't quite hold himself to the finish line. Legs are wobbly. Yeah. <laughs> no, he completely took a giant shit down his entire like leg. <laughs> oh, that 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 as well. Yes. You can't be that guy. You can't no. be that guy. You you know, you 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 had maybe a little you had you, a little shart in Houston. You can't <laughs> turn it into a full blown. Uh, both of your legs are covered in poo <laughs> as you cross the finish line. So you got to finish strong. You have to. They won by seven at SMU. That was a I mean, long fucking time ago. <laughs> that was. That was. But 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 hey, every game matters. Every game. I, but it wasn't. It wasn't a long time ago that they beat. You know, they beat up on the bottom of the uh, AAC as well. So right. That, I'm just saying that was pretty from, recent. How long ago does that SMU game feel? I mean, I feel like we had about three more players at that point. Brady's been on the show like four times since then. Well, funny, it was only it was only what a month and a half ago. We had three weeks off in in between. They took a whole winter break. Yeah, and not the week kind, like no, no. a full winter break. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm not ready to throw in the towel, but hopefully things turn around. It's you, right now. You look like that wide receiver from Oklahoma that got beat up in the bathroom. Man, he sure did too. Look, look, look. Here's a lesson, kids. Any of you kids that are listening, if you're trying to talk shit and the guy you're trying to intimidate is looking at his friend and deciding which one is going to kick whose ass, walk away. Because <laughs> those two dudes were not phased at all. No. The two football players from Oklahoma were, you know, being macho and giving a little shoulder push. And the dude was looking at his friend like, which one you want? Also, I'll take, I'll take the big one. If, if you're going to get into a fight, don't do it in the bathroom. There's so many things that you can, A, 
get hurt on with all the porcelain and slippery floors and all of that. Apparently the dude almost lost an eye. Yeah. That's a thing that happened, but B, you know, I mean, again, like so many people in the bathroom are just so vulnerable. That's the last place that you really want to be fighting. That and like, like MMA changed everything because now anybody could be just like a trained MMA killer fighter. Yeah. Like just, and fists two, of fury. Two, if you're going to start a fight in the bathroom and you can't figure out that the kids got cauliflower ears, yeah, you deserve yeah. to get your ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. I, Look, dead if, his ears, if his ears are like this, dead don't away. do it. Don't no. do it. I don't care how, how small he is. How about the uh, the bloody nose? You know, a little. Oh, little, yeah. little bloody nose smack. And then just, woof. I'm not he a fighter, was but that up, was pretty. He was loading up that right boy. If you haven't seen it, go go search Oklahoma fo- Oklahoma football fight on Twitter or Oklahoma was, eye socket. Yeah, that'll that'll pop up everything. He was so loading up think- that right hand boy. Like you could tell, he was he threw a couple less, but he was loading up. Bang, bang. Well, and he bells. The, the the Oklahoma football player is a wide receiver, not a guy in the trenches, but a wide receiver, like. Well, well, he's a and and he's mainly used for for a holder. He's the holder. That's that's his main role. He was first yeah. team all academic Big Twelve. Did not make a smart decision there. He's going to be holding his eye. Yes, yes, <laughs> for the next couple months. And and that guy's going to be ready to kick it. No doubt about that. Let's uh let's let's fire up the BBP mailbag real quick, guys. I think Christ, best. we haven't done the mailbag yet. Jesus, it's quick. It's quick. What she said. Everyone's worried about the basketball team, so these are a little quick. Uh, first off, Bearcat Brian, what players on the current roster do you anticipate returning? We're not playing that fucking game. Well, no, and and who do you see? What do you see as the potential for the for the returning players next season? Obviously, we'll break that down more. But I think well, until we, we know other, I was going to say until we know otherwise, everyone's returning. So yeah, that's the game you play. We touched fans, on the core, though. The core is fans, fans, fine. You want to play that game, whatever. That's your prerogative. As a media entity and a podcast that we listen to, we're not putting people in the transfer portal if there's no indication that they're headed to the transfer portal other than a bunch of fans losing their mind. And I'm, I'm sorry, but a fellow colleague of mine did that, and it's bullshit. Well, I just want to reiterate, the core is very strong. I I think a lot of teams around the country would take the core that the Bearcats have returning next year. Uh, next, um, what do you see? Uh, no, I didn't really know that one. Okay, let's let's touch on the recruit coming in, Chad. Well, not coming in, the one that committed today. Big time player. I mean, Ethan Green. We had to say allegedly to Brady Collins, of course, because Brady can't mention his name. Right, they can't mention his name until he signs on the dotted line. But Ethan Green, we could talk all about him. He is the the picture perfect cookie cutter of a offensive tackle. If you were to think of one at the high school level at, that you can bring in and mold, wow, he, he seems like he's going to be a big time player. Six uh, seven, easily projects up over three hundred pounds. He's he's two seventy two seventy five right now. It's good weight because of his wrestling. Right. Um, you can easily see that kid being able to move laterally, 
and 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 be a kid that makes a huge impact at tackle. I think this is a potential potential. Never know till he gets here. Potential multi-year starter, all-conference type kid at left tackle. I think it is a gigantic get for a program that has done great at center and guard. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. They've got to expand that at tackle. Right. We'll get to see John Williams, hopefully Luke Collinsworth. Yep. Even though he's a Xavier fan, <laughs> hopefully, you know, he fits into that rotation. Now, Ethan Green, um, I think it is a, 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 a monstrous get for this program. Uh, and, and he will end up being one of the impact guys of the 2022 cycle. You know, you also look at it with Ethan Green, as you said, good weight at, at 275, because he, he wrestles in that 285. You know, it's, yeah. it's not like he's, you know, one of those projects that come in that's that's light. And no, he's he's cutting weight week in and week out to be the number one wrestler in the state. An All-American. All-American. So that is that is weight that he could probably easily put back on like that. I, I mean, I, I, I don't think it could be understated how big of a pickup it was. It seemed like Ohio State was picking up a lot of interest in him. If you just read the tea leaves on his Twitter account, I think he was a player that was getting ready to blow up. And Cincinnati had him, got him, locked him down. So and it was, it, it, brings. it was an hour conversation with Luke about wrestling that kind of did it. Yeah. There's no doubt. There's and no as doubt. long as he knows the difference between holding and wrestling and don't hold in football, we'll be good. <laughs> be all good. Just be strategic um, with it. Great addition to the conversation. That's fine. Uh, so to piggyback off of that, Bearcat Nation 11 asks, uh, is there another recruit committing this week for football? I'm kind of going to change that question. How many more scholarships do we have left? Not many. I was going to say, I didn't think we had We might be about half. If, if, like I said, that number is always a moving target. It is sure. always bigger than, than what they say it is going to be. Until they sign anyway, yeah. Well, but I mean – because you right, you all you know is what room you have on the eighty-five, right? As guys transfer, as guys medical disqualification, whatever the case may be, declare early for the draft because there's going to be a couple of those. I think, or at least you know, we know Sauce probably isn't going to be back after this year. Um, that opens up spots. So, the working number right now is probably somewhere in the twelve to fifteen range. Ethan Green makes it six. Okay. And Chad so, always keeps the oven preheated. I, you know, I probably not lunchtime cookies tomorrow, but I could see like a, like a late afternoon snack, you know, <laughs> like a late did, afternoon snack type deal. Did you notice my, my milk gift today? I did. I did. My, my buddy's going to be giving me a, a bunch of those. So I, I just want to know how many of those are your friends that are just pouring milk all over themselves while no. you record. Well, well, just just wait. There's there's more to come where where that's, where that one was. So that's great. Uh, pretty excited about that. Um, <laughs> I did like Demon. You got? Do you have another? Do you have another one ready? I always. I, all right. I'm not a all giant right. milk drinker myself, but uh, I can always throw out a good milk gift, I'm, and I have them in the back pocket. There's no doubt. Um, I, I love cookies. I'm not going to lie. I'm a big cookie guy. I gave up chocolate for Lent. Uh, so. Why would there, why would you want Lent in your chocolate? That's disgusting. <laughs> are you, are you, are you putting, are you putting cookies in your pocket? Like Woo! 
man, you're bringing it today. Woo! I love it. DMOC55, I'm going to adjust this question a little bit as well. Yes, yes, blow on it. Yes. <laughs> what previous UC players recruited the year after a coaching change had the most impact on UC history? Okay, I want to talk about a uh, not a buddy of mine, but a guy who I somewhat know just from Deontay Vaughn. Indianapolis roots, Deontay Vaughn, the uh, Harmony Prep, Mr. Uh, but I I know him from his days here at Arlington High School in Indianapolis. And man, he is a nice guy. He is, I would say, one of the most underappreciated players in Cincinnati history. Uh, obviously scored a lot of points because he had to. But I think it would be interesting to see kind of where those first couple of seasons and the transition, how rocky it could have possibly been without Deontay Vaughn in the fold. So I went all the way back to the 50s on this question, actually. Wow. And uh, Mr. Ed Jucker had uh, Tony Yates and Tom Thacker in his inaugural season as well. Not too bad. Not too bad. So, Not pretty good for those guys. I mean – I just thought that was worth mentioning as I literally went through and checked every new coach and uh, their f- first year players. So I couldn't see necessarily who was recruited and when they were recruited, but those were first year players. So you also had Phil Wheeler with uh, George Smith back in uh, 53. Huggins brought some uh, pretty good players in his first couple, but years, not huh? that first couple years, that first year right. wasn't first couple years. Yeah. Well, yeah. that wasn't the question because then we could have mentioned Corey Blunt, Nick Van Ex. I mean, well, no, this says what previous UC players recruited the year after a coaching change. So you could potentially say the coaching change happened. Then I went with the season. season. I went with the, the first, their inaugural yeah, season, so if you I. will. And, and so the eligible ones for John Brannon would be Micah Adams Woods, Jeremiah Davenport, and Jeremiah Davenport, which I mean, hey. Look, Tart, look at Jeremiah Davenport. Tari was second year. Yes, yeah, Tari was second year. And then, yeah. So, <laughs> yes, Tari was. But, yeah, I, I mean, Jeremiah Davenport has a chance to be – I mean, he's on that trajectory. I don't know if he's going to obviously score the amount of points that a Deontay Vaughn did, but he has the ability to be a fan favorite, and I think he's going to be an upperclassman that everyone's going to love to have on their team and the other team's going to hate to see – him getting excited and, and super rambunctious, especially if the team goes on when, an upward trajectory. When you have a sophomore averaging 10 points a game, you got a chance to score a lot of points in college. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, you look at some of the players that just consistently average around that that middle area. They're going to score 1,000 points by the end of their career. So um, aside from that, not, not too many other – I mean, that transfer question, I think – what I see as far as the percentage of guys playing in their college basketball career at one school, two schools or three schools, you know, the bouncing around thing. I, I think that's when the NCAA potentially needs to do the allow one time one transfer. transfer but yeah. then after that, you got to sit out a year. And I think that would completely negate a lot of players just bouncing around all over the place. And for the, I mean, the guys that, that transferred two and three times, if you look, those are the guys that were at three different high schools in four years. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, 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 it's habitual at that point in time. Yes. Most guys have no interest in transferring more than once. Right. Right. And most guys grow up enough through that process that it's not a constant thing. So 
yeah, one transfer is pretty common. Two is pretty unusual. Three, yeah, there's a reason that you haven't been wanted at any of the stops that you've had. Well, how many schools did McNeil play out? Didn't he? Wasn't he at like four or five? Yeah, yeah, four, I believe. Whew. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, not great. Not I mean, great. that's where that. I mean, Raph was at three. I, I mean, you're just looking at, at just. A lot of different scenarios, but yeah, I think I think that with the open transfer thing, I think it's a good idea at first. But I think the SOA is going to look at it and say, "Hey, okay, we got to figure something out here because this is really starting to become crazy." So um, I think that it'll be well, okay. This happened. The next step is this. The problem right now is they're holding it hostage. The NCAA. The the one yeah the one time transfer. Right. Yeah. They have tabled along with the name limit, name, image, and likeness. Right. Uh, you know, situation. Well, and you... basically, they're they're kind of saying if if you guys don't cave to what we want on name, image, and likeness, then you're not getting a one time transfer. Did you see that Notre Dame kind of took a step against the NCAA? No, they didn't. Well, you know... against the NCAA, they did. I thought you were going to say against no. the, the game. Against been, uh, well, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think it had anything to do with the game. I think it was like no. NCAA make a ruling here. We want to be part of the game, but we're not going to do it if it's going to hose the players essentially. Yeah. And kudos the to them. The game's not coming unless there's name, image, and likeness. I don't think. I don't know how you avoid another court right. date without doing so. Well, you you name it after the city that each college is in. Trash. Nobody wants to play that game. But somebody updates it, and you you do one update. You click on one thing, all the names of the schools changes, all the players' names are in there. At that point, though, that's that's just such a cop out. Yeah, but it gets us football back, college football back, which is really all I give a shit about. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if they if they open it before, you know, they get the name, engine, image, and likeness thing happen, I, maybe you'll have what Harmon Institute of Technology. And, <laughs> Couple of other, you know, just just Xavier colleges. Xavier, <laughs> Xavier. We'll throw Xavier. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's great. That is great. Um, Chad, are you allowed to talk about any uh, possible locations that you think there might be for the uh, football indoor facility? Yeah, I've talked about it a lot. <laughs> Behind Hughes High School. Koi Field or whatever it's called. I—that's I, the only place I've mentioned. I, yeah. I've been listening to the BCJ. I just hadn't heard it talked about. Or at that's, U.S. Bank Arena, take it over, <laughs> flatten it, turn it into an indoor facility. <laughs> bust, bust the whole team down every day. Well, if they'd move the the trolley car to to campus, you just hop on the trolley car. Yeah, exactly. And full pads. It's fine. You get a hundred, hundred and five guys just hopping on the trolley car. <laughs> well, you could, you could have a, a Bearcat sponsorship since I think the Cincinnati Bell one's gone at this point. So you just put a whole, a whole Bearcats wrap on one of the cars and just have it there at campus, True. ready, ready to go with all the, all this equipment and stuff. I, I think this is a done deal. Where's, where's John? Where's, did we leave John again? John, John is back on campus. Someone go pick up John. Just running after the trolley car. <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> wait a minute. 
Uh, we could always do it at NKU again, right? Bring, 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 bring. <laughs> Gosh, no, oh, well, well, I'm for it. <laughs> Anything we've else? Got, well, we've got Tulsa, Tulane, and Memphis this uh, this week, so be ready, guys. Preview after preview after preview. Can't be worse than Houston. I'm gonna need the uh, the rock paper scissors for this uh, Friday post game story. It's gonna be Aaron. It's not gonna be me. I I can't. <laughs> I pay you. I I know that I've got I preview, bring my up. birthday preview, and preview. Oh, it's his birthday. It is. I had to sneak that in there. <laughs> what a bitch. <laughs> Do you get a birthday week? I, I mean, yeah. Sounds I, like it. Actually, I, maybe. Real single lives of Indianapolis. Man, not not very single over here right now, but uh, yes. <laughs> you got a ring on it. Does anybody get half your shit if you break up? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I just I'll just do another one of these, and uh, then you are single, brother. Carry on. And as for the ring and all the half the stuff, that that part isn't fun. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Take it from. So uh, I wait, experience. <laughs> that's why I waited seven and a half years before I got married. I was making <laughs> sure. There we go. Like a fine wine. If if you're gonna leave, I'm gonna give you a long time to make that decision because <laughs> once we're in, we're in. Although load. if she wants, if she wants half, if we get a divorce and she wants half a Bearcat Journal. I'll give her the basketball message board. She can have that shit. <laughs> she can have that shit. For real. For real. And and just and just do a continuous loop of the last week. Yeah. That's just Does that mean you, you throw in the baseball stuff. board for fun? No, the baseball board's fine. Why would I, why would I give her the, the baseball board? Just to have a, a walk in the park by comparison. No, 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 no. Here's Jucker Court, honey. It's all yours. <laughs> I promise it will get better. <laughs> Golly. It, it hasn't in 15 years, so I don't know why the hell it would start now. Uh, I don't know. Well, boys, but, what? Carrie said the other day, I don't remember it being like this mixed first couple years. That's because Carrie was over at Bearcat Insider, which was the football site. Well, right. they didn't worry. They didn't give. They didn't give two craps about basketball over there. Not Trust me. It was 2007. Like to put that in perspective, that was back when you had like the entire market crash and everything. Like that's so long ago. Yeah, but guess what? Bearcat Layer existed, and there was a whole bunch of people on the basketball board when they were getting their brains kicked in in the Big East. They wanted Mick Cronin fired. I'm just saying, nobody really remembers 2007. You know, I, mean, I don't know what you've done to your brain cells since then, but I've got a, a fair recollection recollection of 2007. I was, I was graduating college. I got married. Well, we were in different life places, I promise. I won a state championship in football. Cheers. But uh, no. Anyway, I think right now as well, a big bugaboo is social media, how much that's taken off. But uh, that's a different story for a different time. Um, it is. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. So, got uh, three games on the slate this week. Make sure you tune in to BCJ the entire week. Tulsa, Tulane, Memphis away. 
home and home. Aaron, anything before we shut this one down? It's been real and it's been fun, but I think we're all done here. <laughs> Chad, you good? Thanks to Brady, as always. Always oh, an enlightening half hour every two weeks with Brady Collins. I was so happy that we had him this week. <laughs> yeah, it was fortuitous. Yes, it Very was. fortuitous. And maybe uh, check my Twitter around, I don't know, 4 o'clock tomorrow. Yeah, well. Uh, maybe have yeah, some cookies. Yeah. If, if you decided to listen this long, there you go. You always yeah. stay. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not, telling, I'm, not tell, I'm not telling you who. Right. But. I wouldn't, wouldn't expect that. <laughs> yeah. Well. For uh, Chad Brendel, for our man Brady Collins, for Aaron Smith, I am Brent Young. Yet again, this is the BBP, brought to you by BearcatJournal.com. See ya!